Thank you for tuning in today on Voyage Through the Bible with Billy G. Nolan, where his heart is to fortify and strengthen your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this mini teaching, and if you need prayer, if you would like more information, or you simply want to join us as we voyage through the Bible, go to www.voyagethroughthebible.org. We're in Hebrews chapter 8. And before we begin in Hebrews chapter 8, I want to explain a happening in Jesus' life. It's don't touch me. In Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. In John 20, 17, Jesus is resurrected and he's at the tomb, and Mary is there, and he says, don't touch me, for I have not gone to my father yet. I haven't been there yet. This is, at the outlook, a strange saying. But let's look at the Old Testament. They had a don't touch me clause in the Old Testament, the high priest on his way to the Holy of Holies, to put the blood on the mercy seat, could not be touched by anyone. But when he came out of the mercy seat, the holy of holies, the people all around him could touch him. The priest went in. He performed the act of, of covering. It's done for the year. The covering has taken place, and he comes out, and he's able to meet with all the people. A little later, in Luke 24, Jesus said to Thomas, See my hands and see my feet. You can touch me, because I'm not a ghost. I'm flesh and blood like you. What a story to tell. In the middle of this time, Jesus went to the heavenly holy of holies and he placed his blood on the mercy seat so that everyone that asks can be born again and can have mercy. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. The mercy seat is perpetual now. It isn't once a year. We have the mercy seat working in our lives continually as we walk with the Lord. In Hebrews 8, 1 through 13, and Hebrews 9, 1 through 5, we have a new covenant that's being talked about and the tabernacle of old. We do not have such a high priest that was temporary, but we have one that sat down next to the throne of the Father, making intercession for us. We have a high priest of the new covenant, a new contract, he takes on the role of a mediator 
Let's explain it like this. There's a great gulf, a great canyon, a deep gorge, so deep you can't see the bottom. We're on one side and Father God is on the other. That gorge cannot be crossed because it's our sin. Our sin separates us from Father God. But we are coached and wooed by the Holy Ghost. We're convicted. We turn to the Lord and Jesus is our bridge. He takes us freely to the Father once we're born again. He removed the bar between God the Father and us. Let me tell you something that's profound. Jesus is enough. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus communion. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus any other thing. It's only one. It's Jesus and what he paid for. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is satisfied. Father God is satisfied and the Holy Ghost is satisfied with the sacrifice that he made. Jesus is our sin offering. In the Old Testament, in the times of the tabernacle, they had a sin offering, and Jesus is our sin offering. He reconciles us to the Lord. We're two separate, we're a separate entity, and now we're brought together. We're reconciled. The separated has now been reconciled. The sin of us all is put on Jesus. All our sins are put on Jesus. Your sins, past, present, and future, are put on Jesus. The heavenly sanctuary is real. The tabernacle in heaven is real. The sacrifices made and taken to heaven is real. Our high priest is real. The tabernacle of old was a copy. Many years ago, there was a revival in Indonesia. And on this particular island, there were many people born again. They were very energetic, and their faith was at a level like I can't describe. I heard this story secondhand by the person who was there. So the story has some merit. They needed to go to the mainland, but there wasn't a boat. So they said, oh, Peter did it. Why not us? So the delegation of them walked to the mainland across the sea. There was a committee, a group of other religion on the mainland 
And when they saw this miracle, a vast amount of people were converted. I know that's a lot to take in. But you understand, come on. I want you to get this. Come on. God's the God of the impossible. Come on. Our redemption is that kind of redemption. Come on, get it. Get a hold of it for him, would you? The tabernacle of old was a ghostly copy of the heavens. It was a shadowy outline. It was a sketch. It was a reflection. It was a phantom. It was a silhouette. But let me tell you something. Jesus is real. Jesus is a reality. In Hebrews 8, 6, but in fact, the ministry of Jesus that he received is superior to any and all. He's our mediator. He has better promises. He's our bridge. He enables us to have the new birth. The sin of all of us was put on Jesus. All our sins were put on Jesus. Every sin of every person, past, present, and future, that sin was put on Jesus. I will make a new covenant with my people, the Lord said. We have rights, and we have legal rights, and we have privileges now. We have privileges from the throne. Why do we have privileges? We have Calvary rights. In Gethsemane, when Jesus prayed, for the looming cross before him. When he was taken to trial and scourged, when he was crucified, mocked on the tree, when he died and he was taken to hell, and there he left our sins, and he was resurrected he instructed the disciples for a period of time. And then he ascended and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. The Holy Ghost is the power of everything that happens to us. And each step in this scene of crucifixion, of sacrifice, there's a promise embedded it for us. Your promises are paid for. They're paid for promises. I want you to know that. We have open access to forgiveness. I knew a family years ago. Lost track of them now. He was European and she was a Jewish woman. They were born again, thoroughly born again. They lived a poor life. The wife's sister 
fell on hard times, her husband died, her and her children came to live with them in their apartment. Many a time, her children and their children, and they only had oatmeal at night because they had given everything away to poor people that had less. You would think it would be depressing, but their house was so full of joy. Their children were unique. They grew up in that atmosphere, and they were mighty people of God. It's an amazing story about a family that knew how to give. They were kingdom people. They were people that knew how to serve the Lord in the most outstanding way. I don't know, I've lost track of them. But I can't help remembering what they did, many would call sacrifice, and they just called it the right way to live. I've talked to you a little bit about Calvary rites. If you can stamp that into your soul, that we have rights, that we're not orphans, we have rights, you have rights in the kingdom. You have more rights than you can believe. I'm not the perfect example, but I can tell you I know I have rights. And I can depend on the rights. When something happens, the first thing I do is turn to the Lord. And I said, I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for that thing that you paid for. I thank you that I have Calvary rights. I want to encourage you to believe for more. Joshua, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, they're getting ready to cross Jordan. What a leap of faith. The Lord told them how to do it. They weren't to swim across. They weren't to get boats across. Three million people in boats. Wow, what a thought. But what they were to do is take the Ark of the Covenant where the Lord dwelt, put it on the shoulders of the priest, and the priests are to walk in the raging river of Jordan. And when their ankles got wet, the waters heaped up in a heap on the north end and drained off on the south. And it dried completely up and they walked across Jordan on a highway. Many times they begin to claim the land, but they claimed it on the other side of Jordan, they claimed it in Jordan, and they claimed it past Jordan. Figuratively speaking, you need the Lord to make changes in your life some people have as much as a caravan of changes. It's like a railroad train, all the changes they need in their life. Thank the Lord he's involved in our changes. Many times there are books written to explain how it's done. But let me get to this real clear. God can speak two words. And things can change so drastically for you. 
Remember, we're talking about Calvary rites. There's an inner principle that works. The Lord provides intimate fellowship with us. Sinful ignorance is exposed and removed. And forgiveness of sins is before us. The sin of us all was put on Christ. All our sins were put on Christ. The sins of you and me were put on Christ. I'd like to stop here and invite you to be bold. You can be bold in the Lord. You can take on boldness like you've never had before. You can appropriate Calvary's rights, the promises of God, and you can begin to live it out. So I'm going to pray. It's going to be a creative prayer. I'm going to expect you to have changes in your life. And I would like you to report it through our website. I'd like to know about these changes that are taking place in all of you right now. In Jesus' name, cause these changes cause these things to happen in their lives, cause them to prosper, cause health to become to them, cause your victories to be a part of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Billy on this episode of Voyage Through the Bible. This journey and its many adventures lead you into the mysteries of creation and man, not only to know the Bible, but to experience it and live it. If you would like to sow into this ministry and be a part of somebody else's journey as they learn about God, please visit our website, www.voyagethroughthebible.org.